Hey, this is Tolly Wilkins of Captivate Church, and we're so glad you've joined us on our podcast today. This is one way that we can take our message from Baltimore all across the world. We pray that today encourages you, inspires you to become the man or woman that God's designed you to be. So I had a, a um, interesting week. Last Sunday, I, um, there was a shower at our house. Um, um, baby showers are galore right now in our church, so amen. You guys go procreate. Um, <laughs> You do your thing. We're kind of tapped out, so uh, <laughs> praise the Lord for you ladies growing the church. Uh, that's right, and you gentlemen that en- enjoyed the experience. So, the, uh, so <laughs> that was wrong, wasn't it? I'm going to get yelled at later. I really am. I'm going to get yelled at. So anyway, um, I, I went, it's not even germane to the story, I I went, I went to hang out. Uh, I went to hang out and, and kind of let let the ladies have the space, and a, a lot of estrogen. And so, I I went away and I hung out with uh, Caleb and we met up with my best friend and his son and and all that stuff, and um. And then I started to get dizzy, and I was like, man, this isn't good. And I started thinking about my my recent week. And I was like, wow, I've been drinking a lot of caffeine. And I didn't realize this until later in a debrief, but I, I was drinking like uh, quad Americanos, but I was doing two or three a day. Yeah. So like within eight, eight to 10 hours, I was throwing back, you know, between eight and 12 shots of espresso. And so uh, my body, I guess, had, it wasn't even really affecting me a whole lot until it did. And then I, uh, so I started to get this headache. So I was like, hey, what I got to do is I got to back off of caffeine. But I'm, I'm kind of an all or nothing type of dude. So um, guess what I did? Do you think I eased myself off? No. I uh, just stopped. I was just like, no caffeine for me. So then my headache went from like mild to like booming. And so then I was just like, what is going on? Now at this time, I had forgotten that I had like this whole deal with caffeine. So I, I told Christy, I was like, I think I'm going to die. And so you guys laugh, but this is so true in my week. And, and so then I, I, uh, I went to the doctor, like Christy uh, was like, hey, I, you know, you're, the way you're feeling and acting, like you're never sick. So she, she set me up for the doctor right away. And it was like within an hour, which was awesome. Somebody canceled, you know, thank you for not wanting your health. And so I, I went in and I um, met with my doctor at all. And they did the whole deal. And he was just like, look, I think it might be your caffeine. I was like, no, I'm going to die. Like, it's probably something bigger. And uh, so I go home and uh, I, I get the blood work drawn. And uh, which, by the way, use your discretion on which uh, LabCorp place you use. But anyway, so I went, I went over and got my, my blood drawn. And uh, the t- a, a day or two later, I would sit there and I'll talk with Chris. And I was like, here's where you can bury me. I was just like, here, we started talking over everything. I was like, I, this, this feels terrible. I'm, I'm gone. And uh, so I'm not, yeah, I'm not dramatic at all. So, uh, but it's all true. I really did talk to her about all this. And then uh, we, we get the blood work back. And you know what it says? It says, I am a specimen of great health. That's what it says. Uh, yeah, so I'm healthy. So uh, you guys are sad about that. So, so anyway, so I, I got that back. And here's the, 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 the real part. During that time, when you really start to think like, okay, uh, uh, I'm getting older, mortality's real, like life happens, and face the facts. I'm not going to be here forever. 
And so when you're in that, like we're all joking because now you see, I told you guys it was caffeine at the beginning of the week, but you know, it wasn't funny. I felt like I was going to die. So I, I ended up um, seriously just going to the Lord and like, just being like, man, what really matters? And I'll tell you what, when you don't have a lot of energy, when you feel like you're, you're going to pass out every time you stand up, um, a lot of things don't matter. A lot of things really, really, really don't matter. And um, you can serve your energy. I was uh, reading this week in um, Psalm 90, verse 12. It says, count the number of our days so that we might have a heart of wisdom. Teach me to count the number of my days so that I might have a heart of wisdom. Psalm 90, verse 12. And I thought, man, that's so beautiful. Like if we could just realize that the days uh, that we have in front of us are really to be counted. Like we don't know how much time we have. And think about how much time and energy and effort do you spend on things that do not matter in eternity. And so this week I thought about that. I was like, yeah, like there are things that just came into focus, a hyper focus. What I wanted to make sure I talked to my kids about and talking to Christy about and and those things started to focus in. And I was like waiting for test results and and uh, count the number, teach me to count the number of my days so that I will have a heart of wisdom. Wisdom seems to rise to the top when you think maybe I don't have a lot of time. Um, then I, I was studying, and I don't, um, I study often, but I don't do it this way often. I was just praying, and I was just like, Lord, um, and I don't recommend this, and I thought about, should I even tell you guys this, because it's bad uh, theology, <laughs> um, but not necessarily bad theology, but I wouldn't practice this, um, but I was just like, Lord, what, you know, um, I want to, I want to learn from this. And um, so I really felt compelled to open up to Matthew 5. And I would love to tell you that I remembered right offhand what Matthew 5 was, um, because I probably should. But I didn't. I was just like, okay, I'm going to open up Matthew 5. Let me read to you when I'm in this moment this week of saying like, man, life's real and could be real short for me. Um, And then you read Matthew 5, and it says this. Jesus said, seeing the crowds, he went up to the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who came before you. And then it goes on and it says, you are salt and light. And it gives this big challenge. But in this moment of of weakness and just kind of like, man, what's this whole thing about? And don't have blood work back and, you know, maybe my day's... You know, who knows? They really are numbered, but it seems so much more real when you feel sick. 
And then I feel like God said, hey, um, Tal, if you want to learn right now, go to Matthew 5. And it's Jesus beginning the Sermon on the Mount, and he's telling us what matters. And he's telling us the, the types of people that will be blessed by him. And I look at that list and I go, man, in my day-to-day grind, that's not who I, I chase after being. Like, I want to succeed and do and be active and get things done. And you look at this list and it's like, it's like poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, hunger and thirst for righteousness, merciful, pure in heart, peacemakers. So when we look at it this way to say, hey, Lord, teach me to count the number of my days that I might have a heart of wisdom. And then we combine it with Jesus sitting down to teach the multitudes about what really matters. It's about being a peacemaker. And it's about um, being tenderhearted and, and poor in spirit, not getting cocky and arrogant. And it's, it's really kind of the flip of what this world wants to give us. And it's a beautiful thing to think about because if you can find joy in these attributes then kind of the moments when you shine in the world sense, like that's, that's extra, but that's not what you chase. And so you become a different person on the inside out. And so I just pray. I don't know if it's useful for you. I hope that it is. But for me, it's useful to just say, Tali, when your energy is restored and when you're able to go gung-ho again, remember that these are the principles I want you to be focused on. I don't want you to be focused on trying to be the best or do this or take over that or whatever it might be. Um, I just want you to be meek and humble and, and chase after Jesus. So does that make sense? Amen. John 12, 12 to 26, the triumphal entry of Jesus. On this Palm Sunday, I want to turn our attention right away to the scriptures and see in verse 12, the next day, the large crowd had come to the feast heard that Jesus was, they had heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and they went out to meet him crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it was written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him, he then called Lazarus, then the crowd that had been with him when he had called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they had heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see, we are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So, so these came to Philip, who was with Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus, and Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loses his life, whoever loves his life, loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world, will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will be my servant also. 
If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Setting up the scene, you guys are probably familiar, but it's the week that Jesus is about to head towards the cross. And so in many Christian faith traditions, this is called Holy Week. It's the week leading up to the resurrection of Jesus, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus uh, leading into that week. And so this is his triumphal entry. This is when Jesus is headed into town. And uh, here's what you have to know. You have to know that um, Jewish people, they view the, the Old Testament and they say, man, the Messiah is going to come. But when Messiah comes, Messiah is going to come as a political victor, a political figure that's going to win the day. And so in this moment, what ends up happening is we see this triumphal entry and the people that come to Jesus and they're laying down palm branches. And in a second, you're going to see they're laying down other things as well to form this red carpet, this proverbial red carpet. But as that's all going down, we're seeing things about the motives of people that are to be revealed later that can inform us. But in the moment, there's this big party, there's a big celebration, and they're like, man, our victor is come. And so today, as we zoom in, I want us to look closer. For the sake of the gospel, last week we talked about God, our sin, paying everyone life. That the God of the universe created us to be with him. Our sin separates us from God. Sin cannot be removed by our own good works, our own good deeds. Paying the price for sin, Jesus died on the cross so that everyone who would trust in him would have eternal life. Life that's eternal means that we'll be with Jesus for now and forever. The gospel. The good news, the good news of the gospel is that God loves every single person. And the good news of the gospel is that there is a way for every single person to have access to heaven. There's a way for every single person to be able to live with God forever in heaven. It's through Jesus. And the good news of the gospel is available to everybody you lock eyes with for the rest of your life. The question is, what will we do with the gospel? For the sake of the gospel, how will we live? You see, many people, when they become Christians or they claim the name of Christ, for many people, that's where it stops. For many people, becoming a Christ follower simply means, okay, I got my fire insurance. I'm not going to hell. Tough on you. And they kind of just live life that way. You can tell hardly anything different about them. They're really just as selfish as everybody else. They're just as self-centered. They are trying to stack chips and stack resource off for themselves. And you look at their lives and you're just like, wow, the gospel didn't affect very much in you at all, except for the fact that now you believe that you have some kind of of a fire insurance, some kind of a covering for hell. And what a sad, sad gospel that is. And so the rest of the world looks and just says, man, Selfish Christians that get taxism status, that yell at everybody and make everybody, tell everybody they're going to hell, like that's the gospel, that's the good news of God. I read this week that um, the nuns or people that claim no religious faith are beginning to outnumber Catholics in the world. Like how crazy is that? Like the amount of people that are just like, no, I'll take zero of that, thank you. And then when you talk to somebody that's like, no, I'm cool with my choice because you guys have it all wrong. And then they'll go in and they'll rightly be able to say, you know what, you Christian people, here's how you talk. Here's how you treat people. Here's how you act. Here's how you you don't really demonstrate a whole lot of love. Like you get a lot of tax breaks to be able to just throw rocks at other people. But that's not the gospel. And so it's so important that we understand and we go to the Lord and we say, you know what? Instead of letting this be just a holy week, we would just say, yeah, Jesus. We also say, yeah, Jesus. But we say, Jesus, how can I better be a witness for you? 
how can I do this thing in such a way that brings you glory and honor with my life? So the next day, verse 12, go back and we'll walk through it. The next day, the large crowd had come to the feast. They had heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and they went out to meet him, crying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even to the king of Israel. So for the gospel's sake, I have a question for you. What are we willing to lay down? What are we willing to lay down? I was thinking about this and the fact that when they're trying to lay down this, they had this political victor coming and they believe their, their, their persecution is going to be over and they're going to, they're going to win the day and they're going to pay back maybe the, the people that have been holding them captive for so long. And, and so they're cheering on this, this coming savior. And we do this in our country every four years. Do you realize that? We do the same thing every four years. And, 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 and on both sides of the aisle, everybody does this. But we, we sit back and we're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so some grab palm branches and begin to kind of lay down this, this, this beautiful uh, picturesque scene, this, this carpet, this red carpet through the town. And they say, here's, here's what it is. But let me, uh, let me show you something. In Matthew 21, Matthew 21, it's like the same car crash, but it's coming from different angles. And so Matthew, he, he gives his take and what he saw. And so it says this, the disciples went and did as Jesus directed them. They brought uh, the donkey and the colt and they put, on their, put them on their cloaks and he sat on them. So they threw their, their jackets on the donkey and, the, and uh, Jesus sat on this donkey. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road and others cut branches from the trees. And spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and followed him were shouting, Hosanna, the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred, saying, who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Did you notice what Matthew's perspective was? He didn't just see palms being thrown down. You know what he saw people doing? Taking off their cloaks. Let me ask you this. If you look up and there happens to be kind of a, a tree nearby and you yank off a branch and you toss it out or you take off your own clothing and you lay it down. What are we willing to give? What are we willing to lay down for Christ? What are we willing to let go of? I was, uh, a few weeks ago, um, I haven't seen them yet this morning, so if they're in here, shout out to you. But a few weeks ago, somebody had this uh, Orioles vest on. And um, I was just, they were in passing like I do for many of you. I'm like, hey, that, that's awesome. Love your jacket or, or whatever. And so I said that and this um, person uh, unzipped it and took it off. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. And he was like, no, 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 I've, I've got a few, but I'd love for you to have this one. I was like, whoa. And I, I felt overwhelmed. I felt unworthy. I felt, whoa, like what's going on here? I'm not used to this. But the receiving of the gift is important too, because if you don't, then you prohibit somebody else from having the, the joy of, of giving. And so I've learned to just be respectful. And um, 
So I rocked that puppy this week. (laughs) But the act itself, think about it. The act itself of somebody grabbing a palm branch versus somebody who takes off their coat and lays it down. The act itself symbolizes what you're willing to give for what matters. And so for you and I, the reason I begin this is asking you, you know what, for you and I, what is it that we're willing to lay down for Christ? What is it that we're willing to say, you know what, I can shed that. I can let that go. I, 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 don't, I don't see this thing in my life being more valuable to me than my relationship or my walk with Jesus. I, I can let that go. And, and how many of us would go to the Lord and say, Lord, you have free reign of my life. What is it that is not pleasing to you? Or what is it that maybe I'm, I'm idolizing a little too much that needs to be let go of for the sake of your name and the sake of your fame? What is it that other people would look at my life and just say, I don't know how, if I can trust their faith and walk in Jesus because I'm not sure that they're willing to let that stuff go. They're really more about that than they are about him. What are we willing to lay down for Christ? It goes on in verse 14, and Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it just as it was written, fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. His disciples didn't understand these things at first. You see, when it was going on, his own crew, the people that were with him um, day in and day out, they didn't even understand. But when Jesus was glorified, they remembered these things had been written about him and they'd been done to him. The crowd that had been with him, look at this, the crowd that was with him, he called Lazarus out of the tomb and he raised him from the dead. He continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they had heard that he had done this sign. Let me rewind. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they had heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see, we can gain nothing. The world's going after him. For the sake of the gospel, for the gospel, why we worship reveals who or what it is that we really worship. Why we worship reveals who or what it is that we really worship. You see, these people were flooding out. And on Palm Sunday, they're celebrating the entry of Jesus. Now, we're always looking at it from uh, 2019 backwards. And we can say, oh, this is the culminating event where the, king, where the king of the Jews, the king of Israel, the Savior was coming to town. And so on our calendar, we look at it and we just go, oh, this was an awesome thing that was happening. And, and, and we question nothing because we, we love celebration. And so as a result, we, we just go, man, that's what this day is about. This day is about just laying down the palms and welcoming Jesus because he's going to save us from our sin. But what does it say that the reason that the people were showing up to do to greet Jesus? They were showing up because they knew that he had healed um, some people. They, they'd heard, it said that they had heard that he had healed. The crowd had been with him where they, when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to bear witness. They said, this guy raises dead people. Everybody turn off ESPN. Right? No. It's like when you got a guy who raises dead people coming to town, you might want to go show up. I'd probably do that today, and I've got 300 channels on my TV. Like, 
This was the thing. But the reason that the people were gathering, the reason that people were coming to Jesus was not because he was going to be their savior and give them eternity in heaven forever. These people, they were coming to Jesus because he had risen Lazarus from the dead. And the people that were there and saw that had been spreading the rumor. Hey, this guy, the guy I told you about that raised Lazarus from the dead, he's going to be coming to town. And so when they came out, they come out thinking like, man, this guy's probably going to be our political savior. And he raises dead people? Sweet. Now, why do I tell you that? I tell you that because the scripture tells us that wide is the gate that leads to destruction. And narrow is the gate that leads to heaven. Because what you and I would do, what I would do, is I would look and I'd be like, wow, there's a big crowd. Must mean whoever's leading that parade is a rock star. But we're not asking, why is that crowd formed? What, what was their heart? What was their motive? And, and those of you that know your Bible, you know that next Sunday's message includes a piece and every church in America, basically, will include a message about the same people that were cheering for Jesus. This week, we're cheering for his persecution by Friday. And you say, how can that be? That doesn't make sense. It's always weird. Can I tell you? Because they weren't there to worship him. They were there to get something out of him. He wasn't good enough just for being Christ. He wasn't viewed as the Savior. There was something else, some other byproduct they were hoping to get out of the deal. And so why we worship reveals who or what it is we are really, it is we really worship. Many of these people, they, they, they were following him. They either wanted to be entertained or they themselves wanted to be healed. When he was in his worst moment, most of these same people weren't anywhere to be found. And our motives reveal what we truly, really worship. Do we want something from Jesus? Or do we want Jesus? And this Palm Sunday, I can give you a message, and I'm sure I have if we go back and look at the video. I'll give you a message it's all about, yay, our Savior's come, let's celebrate. But I wanted to slow down and zoom in on some folks and say, hey, what was their mindset coming to this party? Their mindset coming to this party was, hey, maybe I'll get healed. Hey, maybe this will be the political victor that we're looking for. Hey, I'm just coming to see what happened. They, they told me that you raised people from the dead. Maybe you'll do it. I want to be there. I don't want to hear it secondhand. But the motives of the people gathering around Jesus weren't about Jesus. For many of them, it was about themselves. And so I challenge you in this to say, for the sake of the gospel, not only what are you willing to lay down, but, but for the sake of the gospel, are you willing to, to, to look at your motive? The why reveals the who or the what. The why. John 17, 3 says this, and this is eternal life, that they what? Know you. Can we say that together? This is eternal life that they know you. The only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. 
You know what eternal life is not? Eternal life is not hitching my, my, my wagon to Jesus in hopes that my life gets better. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hitch my wagon here because I believe this is just a, a nice, better, proper way to live. That's great. I hope it works out. But that's not salvation. You know what, what eternal life is not? Hey, I'm in a real bind. Need God to bail me out. Hey, God, you mind if you bail me out here? Hey, hey, if I'm, if I'm a Christian, I'm going to have God's favor. And if I have God's favor, then I might get that promotion. If, if I'm a Christian, then people are going to see that I'm a good person. And I want to be seen as a really good person. So I'll go to church. And it's a tragedy. Because that is not the gospel. And that doesn't have the world looking and saying, I want some of that. That has the world looking and saying, well, you're one more group. You're one more tribe. You're one more collection of people that don't think for yourself. But man, if you're changed by Jesus, and if people could see your love for Jesus, and if you endeavored each day to know Jesus, not to know about him, but to know him. To pray and to talk with God on a regular basis. Pray without ceasing. Constantly be in communion with God. Each decision gets filtered through him. And you say, Lord, I lift you up above everything else. I'm not going to be an idol worshiper. I'm going to worship Jesus. Verse 12. So here's the punchline. We had the crowd. We had the palms. We had people taking off their jackets and saying, forget the palms, like I'm, laying, like I'm serious about this, dig, this, this gig. And, and Jesus comes through town. And so look what happens. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, sir, we want to see Jesus. Philip went to Andrew, and Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. So he's like, hey guys, I'm about to check out. Truly, truly, I say to you, look at this lesson he gives them. He says, I want to see Jesus. Let me see Jesus. Hey, hey, there's a, a big crowd. You got some armed guards around here. Like, can I get in to see the big guy? And, and, and can, I, can I do that? And so they pass the note along, and then on the inside, they say, hey, Jesus, you got some people out front. They want to they talk to you. You, you want to go out and see them? And he says, you know what? If they want to see me, look what he says. If they want to see me, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Look at this. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. I want to see Jesus. And Jesus says, if you want to see me, let me see a servant. If you want to see me, let me see you laying your life down for others. If you want to see me, let, let me see you instead of just being one strand of wheat that's going to hold on to everything you have for all your life and, and, and just keep it to yourself. It says you're going to die alone. 
But if you pour out, you want to see me? Pour out your life for the betterment of those around you. And the fruit of your existence will not just be that you lived and you died solo. The fruit of your existence will be because you lived, others got life. And so for the sake of the gospel, are we giving to get or are we giving to give? Are we giving to get or are we giving to give? Why in the world do we, do, do we, do we give and share and love and care and do things? Why? Are we doing it to get something back? Jesus said, if you want to see me, in a quite literal way, they wanted to get in to see him. This could have been a, eh, I'm busy, I'm tired, I'm eating. But instead, he chose to give us a parable about life and said, if you want to see me, John 17, 3, eternal life is to know God. If you want to know Jesus, you can be a piece of wheat that lives and dies alone. Or you can lay your life down and produce much fruit around you. You can make your life count by giving life to others. And so if you want to see Jesus, if you want to see Jesus, you have to ask, am I giving to get something? Am I showing up to receive? Or am I giving for the sake of giving? Am I giving for the sake of living? Am I giving for the sake of life? Jesus said, if you want to get to know him, you lay down your life for others. When Jesus is coming close, what are you willing to lay down? Some people will reach up and jack a leaf from a tree and throw it down as their offering. What did it cost them? Nothing. That kind of worship costs nothing. But what about the one when a crowd is coming, dust is being kicked in the air. Jesus is literally riding on a donkey. You have a man on a donkey and his disciples walking down. And you take off your coat. And you lay down your coat. Now what did you sacrifice? And then the scriptures have the nerve and the audacity to tell us the motive of the heart of the people who were showing up. And the scriptures point out, these people were here because they heard that Lazarus had been risen from the dead. And so the lesson for us is the why matters. Not only what am I willing to sacrifice, but why. And then when people wanted to get to Jesus, for the sake of the gospel, Jesus said, you want to get to know me? You want to get close to me? Then lay your life down for others. And I promise you this. As your friend, pastor, brother, I promise you this. I have never gotten to know Jesus more than when I sacrifice for the better, better of others. I've never gotten to know Jesus more than when I have sacrificed for the betterment of others. Why? Because that's who Jesus is. 
We all want to worship him, but few of us want to follow him. And he said, hey, if you want to follow me, I should look over and see a servant. I should see one that's willing to lay down their lives for each other. And I pray this week, you don't take this. Here's what I learned long ago. I can't control how people take things. I can encourage you to not receive this as just a chiding, but actually the opposite. Receive it as a challenge and say, wow, that points out a lot for me. That points out if I really want to get to know God, there is a path. And there are basic principles that I could apply to my life and begin to see God work in those things. So instead of me holding all my wheat in, in one place, I can actually lay my life down and serve others. And in that, I'm going to see God? Yeah. Because you know who Jesus is. He's the one who laid his life down for his friends. And the scripture says in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, you could read through on your own, it all sums up, how do you know that you know God? You keep his commandments. You obey him. You do what he did. You love who he loved. You cared the way he cared. You laid your life down for the sake of others. And that, my friends, is far more valuable to lay down than a palm that we grab off a tree. So on one hand, let's celebrate the welcoming of Christ. Let's celebrate the week when Jesus came to, to, to die on the cross so that all of our sin can be forgiven. We should celebrate that. But as we do it, let's come to it. Let's come to that moment with purity of heart. Let's come to that moment ready to lay something down that costs us something. And let's come to that moment saying, you know what? I'm going to get to know God by serving and loving my neighbor. Amen? Amen. For the sake of the gospel, let's pray.